Society is changing rapidly with the advent of technology. So what community looks like and feels like and there's a generation or two of people who've lived with technology all their lives that don't distinguish between in-person and online experiences in the same way as mm -hmm. you, know, you and I who have you know, entered the digital world but aren't digital natives. Hey, podcast listeners. I'm really excited about this episode. It's one that I've wanted to do for a while. Christine Hydes and I explore the positives and challenges of online small groups. I actually did my Doctor of Ministry project in this area, which I guess just means I have lots of opinions. Christine has utilized online platforms in her work as a Christian educator as well. She is a deacon in the Northern Illinois Conference. She has a wealth of experience. She's currently the Director of Christian Education at Kenilworth Union Church. And she has an active blog presence at christinevhides.com. She also has two teenage girls. She's a wife. And I really think you're going to enjoy her blog. She's got a lot of faith formation information there. So check that out. Do stick around following the interview as I have some news regarding the future of this podcast. And so with that, let's roll right into it. Well, Christine, thanks so much for joining us. I'm so glad you're here. I've been looking forward to this conversation about online small groups, the challenges, the joys, the frustrations, uh, all that comes with doing online small groups. It's something we've talked a little bit about in the past and have been wanting to do for a while. So, so let's jump into it. So I'll just throw out the first question and, and you can begin. So what are the opportunities that online platforms provide for small groups? Yeah, I think that online platforms provide opportunities in several different areas. I mean, you when I think of small groups, I think of in-person gatherings mm -hmm. together. Yeah. Um, so you could replicate that entire experience online where it was 100% everybody using the same platform, maybe this one, you know, Zoom, to gather together, do a Bible study, um, share life's ups and downs, and it exists solely online. And then there are also more, you know, opportunities for blended mm -hmm. um, resources and things to be available. So where you might gather in person uh, quarterly or even weekly, but then you also have an online component. You could make uh, resources and videos available. You can have discussion groups that um, kind of go on through the week as people are able to jump into them. Yeah. So I think that it allows, um, you know, some different opportunities in terms of scheduling Mm -hmm. And um, also being able to review resources. I, I personally get annoyed when I'm in an in-person gathering and we're all watching a video together. And then we're <laughs> going to discuss it. So we're spending 20 minutes or maybe, you know, maybe even an hour watching the same thing that we could watch on our way to work on the train or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. so I think online has some great opportunities in that way. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I think one of the things we can talk about in a little bit is the flipped classroom model. I think that's something to fun to, to talk about. Um, but yeah, let's, let's dig in a little more about the opportunities. I mean, you're right. One of the nice things is it presents uh, some openings in terms of time schedules, right? When, when we're required to come together physically, often what I think about is, okay, what time do we need to be done? Because I know this family needs to get home to put their kids to bed, yeah. right? So now it frees us to, okay, perhaps we can put the kids to bed and then meet, right? Instead of, you know, binging on Netflix for an hour or two before we go to bed, uh, what if one night a week or once every other week we met our small group online? Yeah, absolutely. 
uh, one of the things that I'm doing at our current church is we have, um, they're not weekly, but we have online gatherings of our teachers mm. by grade levels. So it's a chance to check in and say, what's going well? How can we um, resource you? How can we pray for one another? But my time schedule for those is 8 p.m. because wow. kind of the sweet spot, uh, right? You know, when younger kids have gone to bed, older kids are hopefully, you know, uh, getting their whatever they need to do done and their their activities are over so eight o'clock to eight thirty and i try to stick to that um you know kind of half hour window works really well for you know it's, it's not quite a small group but it is a gathering of uh you know people uh online for church purposes so we'll call it a small group sort of <laughs> yeah no I, I definitely think so it gives them an opportunity to have some of the things that come with small groups right it, it gives them a chance for prayer with one another for care for uh accountability for for what they're doing and evaluation as well as what you were uh, saying is the main purpose of it but what a great way to use that technology for them to experience that that's great um it also gives the opportunity of location right geography we don't all have to be in the same space at the same time right if i'm traveling for business but at eight o'clock at night or early in the morning as i'll be doing next uh, thursday morning i'll be traveling but i'll meet with my small group um online right so even for those who travel that's another way we can meet yeah we've done that uh, a few times with our children's ministry meetings where we've had people out of town and we set up a computer it's it's not an elegant solution it's one of the challenges probably but set up a computer on the conference table and allow people to join in as they can so that and then that becomes you know an in-person gathering that has an online um, you know capability to it yeah and that's really the best way that I, I i think of when i think of this online option is is more of a hybrid approach or even just supplemental right it can be supplemental to our physical gathering and one of the things that just about any group can do even if you meet every week together is have a secret or a private facebook group and have time and opportunity for conversation for questions for prayer requests to happen on that platform as well so I, uh, that's one of the things I, I i like to advise is have one of those online platforms purely as supplemental to what happens inside a classroom right i have a question for you okay i've heard you know i still am pretty active in different facebook groups um it's really a great place for me to connect with colleagues across the country uh, and you know especially around christian education and what's going on in children's ministry um, but I am not quite sure how many, I don't know if it's geographic or age delineated, but I, are people getting off Facebook? Do we, what's the trend there? Do we know? Oh, yeah, good question. Um, I think younger folks are getting off Facebook. <laughs> I think people my age, um, my age being 40-ish, um, I'll be that generous to myself. Um, and, say, <laughs> yeah, and say, you know, you know, I, th I wonder, I, I'm not positive on this. My guess is the amount of use has gone down. And, and I know with some privacy concerns, some people have gotten off. So I'm sure it has trended down a little bit. But it's still a platform people use to keep in touch with people who are away. Um, and, you know, it, Facebook, a Facebook group may not be the best way. It may be an email group, right? <laughs> Go back to real ancient technology. <laughs> or a texting group, I guess, you know, you texting could group? Have a group text or you could use something like Remind, um, mm -hmm. although that tends to be a little more one way. But yeah, so I guess there's some new opportunity. I guess that's very contextual in terms of what will work in a specific area. Yeah, so just 
find ways that work for you. So we've said the positives. Let's shift then into the negatives. And that is, what are the challenges that online platforms present for small groups? I think the first is just technology and the different levels of comfort um, in using technology. And there's so many different platforms. People might be really comfortable using something in a work setting and then you know you, you use something else in a church setting. And so you're always kind of have this learning curve of whatever application you're using. Yeah. Just, you know, even you and I this morning, I can't get my Bluetooth speakers to work, right? It's just, <laughs> I've used them a dozen times uh, for this kind of thing. And, you know, today, just not going to happen. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then there's, there's all kinds, right? There's just the uncomfortableness with technology itself. There's inevitably you sign on at the right time and nope, you got to have an update, right? So now you spend five minutes doing an update or uh, there's a bad signal, right? The Wi-Fi connection for whatever reason is kind of wonky. Um, and plus there's just the awkwardness of it for people who don't use it a lot, right? The, the facial cues, the body cues that we're used to when we're face-to-face -face, um, don't translate quite as well, even when we're using something like this, like Zoom, where we can see each other. And so what happens a lot is we talk over one another, or I'm sorry, you were talking, I'll let you talk. And there's just, you know, an uncomfortableness about it, especially at first, so yeah, just the technology. And for, in some places, it's just broadband access, right? They don't, they don't have it. Yeah. yeah. I, I live in the suburbs of Chicago, so broadband access is pretty readily available here, which is great. But um, yeah, my parents live in a very rural area and that, you know, they don't have that access to, um, you know, internet area. So yeah, that's definitely a concern. Then there's those distractions. Yeah. Right, especially when people are in their home, yeah, I'll sign in for my home, and then the cat walks in front of the <laughs> camera, and the dog all of a sudden is throwing up somewhere, or, you know, it, it's a lot easier to be distracted, right. and, and really just to check out, right? I mean, when we're face-to-face, -face, it's a lot harder to get up, walk out, and leave. Just social convention says, don't do that, mm -hmm. uh, but online, yeah. Or I think even, I think there might be a perception that online gatherings aren't as significant as in-person mm. gatherings. There's a little, you know, you'll see that when people do webinars, you'll have a hundred people sign up, but how many actually participate? Because it, you know, it's a low, it's a low entry to sign up, but then, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's eight o'clock at night and you're, you're just exhausted from the day. And so you think I'll, I'll view the recording later. Um, yep. so I think there's kind of that investment and maybe perception of the value of online versus in-person. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? If I've invested the the gas and the time to, to get somewhere, I'm, I'm here. I've really invested versus, you know, I popped up, opened my laptop after dinner, and here I am. Um, yeah, so there, I, I think you're right. So let's let's talk then a little more targetedly about the flipped classroom and opportunities that might prevent present for uh, for small groups. So I'll, I'll begin say a little more about what flip classroom is and then you chime in as well and, and say some things. So the flip classroom, if you think of a traditional classroom being you go to class, you, uh, you hear a lecture, you go home, you, you do homework. Uh, and this is flipping where those things happen so that the, the learning part is happening at home. And when you come together, you're doing the work of discussion and learning in that environment. And for me, one of the positives is it really takes advantage of our in-person time. Um, as you mentioned earlier, right, we're not sitting together watching a video. 
we've already done that part of the learning, whatever means that came through, whether it's a video or a podcast or an article. And then we come together and we can jump more readily into our discussion. And plus, I think there's the benefit of I, whatever learning there was, I can process it before I get into the class. So there's a, a quick intro. Anything else you want to add to that, Christine? No, I think that's a great introduction to what that is. Yeah. So has that been something you've been able to use or seen done? I've used it a little bit before I share those experiences. Anything you've done? Um, you know, so in, in terms of experience, so my background, my early, my early career was spent in kindergarten teaching when okay. I was really just entering the classroom. And one of the kind of guidelines that I set for myself is that if I'm going to use technology, I want it to be used in a way that um, kind of enhances real life experience. So, so I don't want to replicate um, something that, like, I don't want to do a bunch of, let's say, phonics games or reading games or videos online. I want, I want technology to open up new experiences. And that could be interpersonal relationships. But I use the example of, let's say you're studying the human body. You can't actually show, you know, elementary students, you know, a human heart. But with the internet, you can mm. do a whole mm. modeling. And that's a place where technology allows us to do something online that we would not be able to do in real life. So I think, um, as I think about flipped classrooms, what, can, what kind of experiences can we offer that um, actually are better online or not available in person? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I can read a book on my own, but that conversation with the people um, that are in my church and are in my care group, are, you know, those are things that I can't get um, without that interaction. So that's, the, I think, for me, the value of a flipped classroom and using technology in, in new and exciting ways. Yeah, good. So let's talk then about some ways people can do this. So uh, one of the nice things about technology now is we have it at our disposal. We already have the means of doing this. Um, one of the ways you could do this is simply record yourself on your phone and then send that as a file via email. I mean, you might have to put it in Dropbox depending on the size of it. And so let's say it's a Sunday school class or a small group and there was one person who was gonna present some teaching instead of doing that during the class period of time, you do that earlier in the week, record yourself, send it out to the group. They can listen to it at their own time when they're going to work, you know, when they're exercising, etc. And then when we do come to the classroom, whether that's online or in person, we, we can spend that whole time or at least the value of that time in discussion. Sure. Right. So that's one pretty easy way that you can do that is just with using your phone, your, your laptop, laptops can record. Um, it's, that may present a visual element as well. Um, so that, that's certainly one way um, people can do this. And again, you can meet in person, you can meet online, right? You can use Google Hangouts, which is free. You can use the free version of Zoom. You can uh, Facebook Messenger. I actually was with a group on Facebook Messenger and they were all in the Philippines and I was here, that was an interesting <laughs> time. Uh, I'll share more about that because there was some good and bad with that. Um, but um, yes, that's just some of the quick ways I can think about using it. Anything you want to add to that, Christine? You know, I think that I experimented a little bit a year or two ago with Google Classrooms. Mm -hmm. So you can uh, set up a Google Classroom if you have a Gmail account, um, which is Pretty much everybody can have a Gmail account. So they yep. opened that up and not just for educators. There's, you know, Google does some really good 
things there, you know, and a lot of our students in high school, maybe even middle school are using Google Classroom every day. So the platform is pretty good. You can put a lot of content there. I'm thinking, I was thinking, you know, in terms of a confirmation class where you have mm. different things that you're going through every week, you can actually create assignments. Um, so that's a really, it's, it's a platform. I'll say the, the cons of the platform, the cons of the platform are, or the challenges are really that kids use it all the time and it feels like school because it is mm. like school. And sometimes I feel like when church feels too much like school, we're not really, I don't know, that's not a good fit theologically and uh, <laughs> about the experience of God and all of that in, in the world. So, um, so I think that's, uh, that's the thing. And the other specific thing I'll say about Google Classroom is it's really hard to order things. So mm. there's some YouTube videos that help you figure that out, but that's one that I've used. Um, yeah. And, can I, share, yeah. can I share a little plug for the United Methodist Publishing House? Absolutely. So I was on, um, a, I was a part of a focus group this past year, mm -hmm. and they, are, they were working on a new digital product. So one of the things that a few people I know have said to the publishing house is, you know, you have a book study and you've created this really nice video that's on a DVD that goes with it, but how can we get that DVD uh, content to people at home to watch right. violating copyright laws, right? Because we're church people and we want to obey the law and we want right. to be mindful of you know, people's artistic license and things like that. So um, their new product, it's just launched in beta. I think this, this summer it's called mm -hmm. Amplify. Mm -hmm. And any, almost, I think almost every author who also has a video component to their series, it's available through Amplify. So I would encourage people it's brand new, so it's, it's probably still got some changes coming to it, but I'm really happy that someone's addressing that idea of how do we get copyright, how do we get access to copyrighted content legally? Yeah, no, you're good. I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because that is something that's uh, phasing in and that we need to be aware of and that will be, could be used very much in these ways where people watch the video ahead of time on their own and can come to class prepared and ready to engage. So yeah, that's, that's good. I'm glad you, glad you mentioned that. Um, so let's get into some other areas of the online platform. Um, so one of the things I would suggest if you're going to begin phasing this in and say, hey, let's try this, let's experiment. And I, I would certainly encourage you to try this as needed. Um, one is just simply have one class, your first class as let's just get used to the technology class, <laughs> right? It can be, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes of just, hey, let's just sit down and get used to seeing each other in this way, especially if someone's wearing headphones or, you know, making sure our internet works and making sure our computer's updated and all those logistics that go into it, um, as opposed to trying to do that and a class first time, just just be together and say, hello, this is working, yes. Um, I don't know, does that make sense to you, Christine? Pardon me while I take a pause to write that note to myself down. <laughs> I planned a bunch of meetings for parents this fall. Like, oh, I didn't think about that. That's yeah. I think that's a great, a great tip. Another thing you can do is if you have, um, you know, a volunteer or another staff person or whoever who's really good at technology, have one of you be kind of the meeting leader mm -hmm. and one of them be the tech, uh, technology facilitator um, who can answer questions and. If you're using something like Zoom that has a chat component to it, you know, they can, you know, they can handle any chat questions that come up to the presenter. Yeah, that's a good one. And I've seen people say, oh, no, I can do both. And, <laughs> and it winds up, you really can't, right? You really do need that one person, especially if the, if the group is 
A, large, larger than like five or six, and B, people who are unfamiliar with it, right? And so they can address those particular issues. And you can have someone else who's just focusing on um, the social interaction part of it and making sure people are engaging that way. Um, one of the things I would suggest if, if you, let's say you're starting classes and they were going to start and use the online platforms the majority of the time is have at least one early session in person because so that we can begin to facilitate some trust and relationship before we get there. That, that seems to help once we get on that platform to at least know who each other is and feel more comfortable with each other is another, another tip I would say. Um, Sure. And I would say if you can't, if you can't, because you're geographically too separated, if you can't do that in-person gathering, mm -hmm. uh, you know, look at some webinars or other online recordings and see how people have tried to build that community. I will often ask a question at the beginning of, um, you know, webinars are a little different than what we're talking about, but in a webinar, you can, you know, have someone click on, you know, their answer to a question. You can do a poll. Um, you can have people write comments or, you know, if the group is large, you can't go around and have everybody introduce themselves, but there are still ways that you can kind of get people, um, you know, invested in at least knowing who else is on the other end of this, um, you know, this uh, internet line that we've got going to each other. Yeah, no, you, I was right where I was going to go as well. Think about it in terms of if you were present with each other right? How would you get engagement, right? Use some platforms have the whiteboard uh, feature so you can each write on there. You can use polls, something to get people engaged because it is a medium that is easier to check out on. To me, you've got to be a little more intentional about keeping people engaged. Would you, would you agree? I do. So, you know, maybe every 10 minutes or so have a chance for people to respond in whatever way, um, you know, the the group style and the platform that you're using allows. But yeah, just check in every 10 minutes and um, see. I've done webinars where I'm kind of looking at the, the right hand of the number of participants and it keeps going down. And I think, oh, is it something I said? Mm. But I also, uh, you know, I also think that's just life gets busy, right? So, um, you know, people have to go and tend to the, what did you say, the dog that was uh, sick? <laughs> right. <laughs> or, the, or the toddler that's out of bed needing a glass of water, whatever. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's one of the other things, you know, we might say in that first meeting when we're together is, hey, let's look around. What things do we need to not have notifications come or turn the TV off or hit mute on your phone or, or things that can be distracting? Sometimes you have to be a little more intentional about telling people that when they're at their comfort, place of comfort. And uh, so just be intentional about, about those things. And um, I think, too, you know, intentional about um, – Praying, I think. I think almost mm. everyone that I have been online with, we we do this. But sometimes it's easy to forget when you're on technology. It's not a place where we've, you know, practiced praying. You know, what, what do I do if I'm on video? Do you know? Do I bow my head? Do I? All of those things. Head yeah. about that, but I say just be bold and brave and go with it. And um, you know, the Holy Spirit will work with the prayer that we're offering. And um, I think it grounds people in that in that purpose of being together. Yeah, you, you raised a, a few things that came to mind when you said that. You're absolutely correct. One of the other things, especially in that first meeting or so, is people have to get used to seeing themselves. Mm, yeah. Right? I mean, normally when we're talking in a group, we don't see ourselves. 
but on most of these online platforms like Zoom or Google Hangout or Skype, we see ourselves and people will freak out the first time they see that, like, oh, I know I look like that. And then do I use my hands that much? And no, you know, we're very self-conscious <laughs> and you have to allow people time to get past that and go, yep, that that's you. That's what you look like. You know, it's okay. We still love you. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, so just something to, to think through. But you're right. The Holy Spirit is present. Go, go ahead, Christine. Yeah, and I was going to say, not only what you will look like, but then you see what's behind you. I've heard stories mm. of people having to quick grab a blanket and cover up. I don't know. They were moving and had moving boxes or, you know. Yeah. Um, and also realizing, you know, my office, I have to sit in a funny place when I do online things because there's a window that backlights and I just look like a creepy shadow if, <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I sit in front of my window. So, yeah, all of those things are you know, things that we're still learning to be a part of in the technology world. What do we look like and what do people see? That's right. And that, again, there's another little tip there, right, is that first meeting, make sure people understand backlighting. Right, like we can't see your face if there's a bright window behind you. All we see is a shadow, like you're being interviewed from a murder you did at one point. Right, <laughs> like learn how to turn your webcam so there's a mirror or a light, or I'm sorry, a window or a light is in front of you so that we can see you. Right, because again, that helps us trust you. It helps us know you're engaged. Um, helpful little things that go along. Right. I have a friend who did a good tip sheet. I don't know if I'll be able to locate it again, but she created this for people ahead mm -hmm. of video conferences to just say, you actually, it works better if you look at the little camera on your computer than at the, at the screen um, when you're talking, because then it looks a little bit more like you're making eye contact. So that was one of her, um, one of her tips. There were a couple others. Oh, you know, mute. If you have a large group, use that mute until you're talking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and explain to people why you're using the mute button. <laughs> it's not that we don't want you to hear you, but at times it's it's helpful when, yeah, there's a dog barking in the background or whatever loud noise is happening around you that's distracting everybody. Um, one horror story was I was in a group, online group, and someone was actually went to a restaurant, did not put themselves on mute, and we could hear them order <laughs> their food. <laughs> and, and, you know, we couldn't, and we were trying to yell at the person, hey, hit mute <laughs> we can't talk because we're hearing you order and we're just hearing you order you know it's very distracting um, <laughs> yeah, and that's if you have a a lot of platforms will allow the presenter or the leader of the group to mute someone but that's one of those things it's hard to do if you're if you're in charge of the speaking and social components if you have that second person doing the technology they could probably have uh, been able to maybe mute that person so yeah <laughs> Yeah, that would have been helpful. That would have been helpful. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to bring a little theology into this as our last component here. Um, because while I'm all in favor of experimenting, using online platforms to, to supplement um, and, and to, to reach people that perhaps otherwise you couldn't reach because of their schedules, um, recognize the importance of physical presence. Mm, There's a quote from the early church that I'm sure I'm not going to get exactly right, and perhaps I'll oversimplify it a little bit, but it says something along the lines of, that which is not assumed is not saved. And it was speaking about the importance of the doctrine of incarnation, that we are an embodied people, that our, our Savior took on uh, humanity completely, right? And so we have need for the, the need for physical presence. So I don't want to 
do all this and say, oh, you know, forget about meeting in person. No, I, I very much value that and think it's needed. And that's why I, I do favor a more hybrid approach unless for some reason you just cannot. Um, so anyway, my two cents. Anything you want to add to that, Christine? No, I, yeah, I would add that, yeah, our, our faith is a communal one, right? And that mm. we live in communities. And I think we're at uh, an interesting point. Society is changing rapidly with the advent of technology. And so what community looks like and feels like, and there's a generation or two of people who've lived with technology all their lives that don't distinguish between in-person and online experiences in the same way as mm -hmm. you and I who have, you know, entered the digital world, but aren't digital natives. Mm -hmm. And so I've had conversations with youth about, well, why, why can't I just watch the worship live stream? Mm -hmm. Well, you mm -hmm. can, we want you to be able to do that if you can't be here, but, but communicating that in-person presence first, because there are so many things that happen in person, like you said, the visual cues and the verbal cues and the, um, you know, just passing the piece, that physical touch that don't happen, um, you know, online. So I agree with you. Blended, blended would, is a better approach for me or hybrid. Yeah. Hybrid. Yeah. Hybrid is a term I use for it, but blended perfectly fine, perfectly fine as well. So yeah, it's, it's important. It, it is a conversation we're going to have to have more and more of both in terms of how do we use digital technology and the limitations as it relates to our understanding of God and, and how we relate with one another in community. Uh, Cause you're right. There's good. One of the things I found when I was doing this more frequently is younger folks, they could hop on a Zoom call or whatever platform, and immediately they were fine with it. It was those my age, older, who were very uncomfortable and took some time. And, and so we're hopefully going to be a church more and more where digital natives are going to want to use this, almost expect to use this. How do we both do that and also challenge when needed, I think, is something we're going to have to be mindful of. Right. Yeah, yeah. I any last comments, th uh, thoughts, tips, suggestions? No, this is really fun. I am really excited to be part of these conversations because as you mentioned, this is kind of a whole new era and it will be exciting to see how it all unfolds in church context. So thanks. Yeah, so both of us, I think, would say, try it. <laughs> and if you fail, you learn something. Try again, right? Just, just keep trying. Right. Think about it as an experiment. If it doesn't work, try it a different way. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for your time, Christine. You've been very helpful, and I appreciate all that you do. Thank you, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate Christine's passion for faith formation and her willingness to use platforms, new platforms, experiment to make that happen. And as I stand at the top of this episode, this podcast is going to be shifting a little bit. New experience is going to be offered later this fall utilizing a booklet from Discipleship Ministries called How to Start Small Groups. Steve and I interviewed the author Brad Kayla Jaden in episode 16. We are creating a teachable course with four sessions to explore more in depth how to start small groups. And there's going to be more information coming out this fall. So if that's something you'd be interested in, feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me at my email address shughes at umcdiscipleship.org. And I uh, hope you'll also connect with me on Twitter, Rev Scott's Tweets, also at UMC Adult Form 
for adult formation. So shoot me comments, suggestions. I hope you'll leave an iTunes review. Um, I want to give thanks to those who helped make this possible. Blake, the technical director, Matt Carlisle, the web producer, and Steve Horzel-Johnson, the executive producer. Look forward to being in ministry with you. And until next time, peace. Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.